Hi, I'm Dr. Barbara Becker Holstein, and I'm thrilled tonight that we are finally back. And by we, I mean myself and Debbie Stortz Higgins. And we want so much to bring you here, bring you up to date on old time radio which, of course, we have modified to make it something that we hope you are really going to enjoy. So let me just place what we're going to do, that we are going to recognize the difficulties and the, um, for some people, even worse things of the past two years, because we're going to acknowledge we're in a pandemic and we're still there but we want to turn it upside down and also bring happiness, a sense of well-being and fun into all of our lives. And one of the ways we can do this is through the sense of poignancy that can happen when we reminisce and we take ourselves backwards in time. Now, of course, even that has its own caveat you don't want to go back to something where you're going to be sobbing, sobbing the rest of the evening. But for most of us, we have a lot of pockets of nostalgia that are really funny or interesting. And that's where Debbie and I are going to go tonight. We've got a whole series of topics. We hope you're going to enjoy them. And as I always say, uh, we tell the truth. And we share everything that's fit to print, almost. Okay? There are some, I mean, there are things we don't talk about. But, you know, mostly we are very good at um, sharing our lives and our humor. And we're here to do that. So, Debbie, what was the first topic we had talked about doing? Well, um, we had, and by the way, I don't want to scare anybody with my pride <laughs> back there, but I am a Halloween freak and uh, some things are too big to go into a closet. So she comes into my office. Um, we were going to talk about, you know, everybody has, there's these different subjects. Everybody has a bucket list of things that they want to do with their life before they can't walk and talk anymore. <laughs> that was one thing. Um, and I don't know if you want to start with that, Barb, or... Yeah, uh, why not? You brought it up, and right. it's as good a topic as any of them. Well, the reason I thought of that b before we did the show is I actually was cleaning out a drawer, believe it or not, and I found a bucket list that I had typed up from 19... Uh, I guess it was 2005, because there's something on it that would point to 2005, but I have 30 things on it. I'm not going to go through all 30 of them. But um, on my bucket list, I've only achieved since 2005, probably five of these things. So, um, I mean, I don't know. Um, you share a couple that you succeeded at and share a couple that okay. you have. Well, we both talked about something that would go in the bucket list that you just stated before. And I see it on my list of one of our wishes was to go to a different place and live for a month. And I've always, my specific place was New Orleans. 
I love New Orleans and I'm a little scared of it now because it seems to have gotten very um, dangerous since COVID. But I've always wanted to just go down there. I love the town and everything about it and live it for a solid month. So where's your place you'd like to go live for a month? I would like to go to live in London. You know, of course, again, not tomorrow. Now I'm going to wait till things quiet down. But I have always loved England. I even have felt, you know, maybe I had a past life there or something because I'm so attracted to it. And um, just the idea of being in a new neighborhood, meeting people casually, relaxing, having tea every day, you know, going to the shows at night. It's just fun. I don't want to live there permanently. You know, I like the idea of change and adventure. Mm-hmm. And I always have liked that. So I'm right with you. And maybe we'll maybe well, it'll come true. New Orleans always felt for me for the first time that I went there that I knew where to go. I kind of had this instinctive feeling that I had lived there in a previous yeah. life. And I knew the streets go down. And there's other places where I've gone to where I have a sense of I don't like it. And what and it's just ridiculous. One of them is Costco. I don't know why, but it's I don't it gets me, But um New Orleans always made me feel safe and good. And there's other places that make me feel like I'm downtown York by myself with pockets full of money and I don't want to be there, you know. But um I, I mean it's funny. I'm put, here's a couple of real wild ones I had on my list. And I'll I'll probably never do this. Travel down the Nile to see the pyramids in Egypt. Well, I'm scared to death to go to Egypt now. And when I wrote this, that was an actual place that you could visit and you wouldn't be afraid to go. I mean, the world has in in how many years, 16 years has changed dramatically. Mm -hmm. Um, And here's one I'll never do. Go fox hunting again. At 67, I don't think I'm going to go fox hunting (laughs) And risk falling off. And plus, there's no place to go fox hunting anymore. When I was a kid, we would go to Middletown every Saturday and we'd fox hunt on Laura Harding's estate. Um, And then I have little simple, stupid ones like like if I ever had the time to do this, learn how to needlepoint. I mean, if you can make me sit still for more than 20 minutes, except if it's just to watch a movie, it's almost impossible. How about you? Give me some on your list. Yeah, I'm going to give you some on mine. Now, my list uh, only goes back three years. And when I found it, I realized that I couldn't remember even doing it. So (laughs) I can't be um, get marks too bad since I actually forgot about the list. But right at the top, I say bucket list. So my first thing was to meet this girl who has been writing to me for close to 10 years, who a Vietnamese uh, young lady now who had read my book when it came out in Vietnamese and she loved it and we became pals. And she used to call me um, Grandma Barbara and um, very, very sweet <laughs> lady, Lynn. And I'd love to meet her. That was first on my list. A new car was second. And we still have the old car. Okay. Yep. Bathroom updates. 
I'm not even sure exactly what was bothering me, but I can put my whole house on that. I've been waiting yeah, to get a petition yeah. put on for a year now. Yeah. Learn Spanish. Now, the closest I've come to Spanish since then was watching Jane the Virgin because her <laughs> in this long, long serial, her grandmother speaks only Spanish. But I do have a yearning to learn Spanish. And uh, write more books more films, that has come true. That is something that I feel very blessed that I had a chance to move into a creative area, you know, of my training, a much different area. Lose 25 pounds. <laughs> no. no. Um, <clears throat> let's see if there's anything else that I'm willing to share. See, I turned it over. It wasn't even okay. worth hearing. Um, All right, I'll fill in the dead yeah, air. Fill in. So I can share. Well, I I can put I can read what I have done in my bucket list, and there's only a couple. Um, uh, I have um, visited all the Gilded Era estates of the Hudson Valley. I have done that. Um, buy and drink a bottle of Perrier Jouet champagne. Yes, I have done that. Wow. Get a box of Oge's chocolates, which I got. Own a Windsor ladder back chair. And I do have a beautiful one, believe it or not, from the 18th century. Um, what else? What else did I get here? Go to the fairy ball in Salem on Halloween. I did it. And eat at Peter Luger's Steakhouse in Brooklyn. I did it. Wow, you did a lot. And own a croquet set. I bought one. So those are the ones I've done oh on my, my bucket goodness. list. Yeah. Well, one of the ones that I had on my um, list from way, way back, probably almost 20 years, is still something that I would love to do. I've got to do some of it through making my films. But I would love to, like, have a job for, say, half a year, and in London would be fine, where I was one of the people on a show, um, like, um, you know, one of these wonderful uh, Channel 13 shows, they do the romances and so on. Oh, yeah, Masterpiece Theaters. Where I was one of the prop people that had to organize the correct things so they were in period time, you know. Yep. You'll have to write to Julian Fellows because he did all the Downton Abbey and he's doing yes. a show that's premiering the end, the middle of this month um, called The Gilded Era, which I'm yes. really looking so forward to. Yeah, I always wanted to do that. And I ended up in very academic educational fields and then psychology and, you know, but I have done a lot of it incidentally, like us using our house in the le- in several of the films. Right. Mm-hmm. You know, we've used different. Well, we'd be able to remember it that way. I too. know. I know. And um, so that's um, pretty much what I'm willing to share out of that list. But I want to say one other thing. Being a psychologist, I am very, very aware of the self-esteem limitations that we place on ourselves. 
in the sense that we often feel, well, we have this inner critic and the inner critic can be very tough on us mm-hmm. and we can feel very bad. And I have had the same feelings my clients have. It's not like you just go through life and some people never have anxiety or anything. Most people suffer at some level and try, you know, try to get away from it and better it. So one of the things I had put on this list was um, about myself and my own mental health. I said, put myself first as I am my keeper. And by that, I mean, as much as anybody else may love you, you do have to take responsibility for your own strength and growth. You know, most of the time, people will assist you. They'll be glad you did it. But some, it's still on you. You know, it's like there's only one you. So I just want to pass that along. And then in the most, I found this one with just three things on it. I found it in a drawer today. Totally forgot I had written it. And it is true. This is truthfully what I want to do in life. Um, That I can be in other people's best interests without sacrificing my own desires and missions. That I can feel the wonderful feelings of true connection and joy that happen when I I am able to really be there for my family, friends, colleagues, and anyone who comes into my life, that there's, for me, a benefit and a benefit for them. And that I don't forget all the times that I am here on Earth with purpose and missions. I have the mission to make the girl that I am designed in my books and films come alive for others And I have the right to pursue that mission. Let the dance continue. Your list is more like your your self-worth and defining yourself and making yourself better. Mine is more about things, places, (laughs) and stuff. It's like a riot, you know? It's so different. But why don't we um, get right now? Because we were talking about I had started a conversation with you this week about, oh, damn, this store closed and this store closed. And I'm mad because, you know, they're closing because of COVID. And there were things that when I went to them, I would love them and I couldn't wait to go. So we figured we could talk a little bit about right in the pandemic, things that have bothered you that have closed. And then let's talk about also the things from our childhood, the stores that were so iconic that we loved. You want to do that next? Definitely. Definitely. I have one on the tip of my tongue and it's from the past. Okay. I absolutely love five and tens. To me, they were a paradise and they were one of the things that in my generation, a child could have $2 in her pocket and a quarter for the bus and go and spend two hours up and down all the aisles of the makeup and the clothing and in the basement, all the brooms and I don't know, everything to furnish a house. And then they had counters, you know, counters. You could sit down and get a hot fudge sundae or a hot dog and to top it off, 
the best thing of all, they had a bathroom. Right. (laughs) Everything was so geared in the 1950s, 60s, and even the early 70s to this hedonistic love of the customer and the happiness. And things were so easy before technology. They were so easy. And everything that's been created to make our lives easier has made it more difficult. I don't know one person except some camera people and film people. Of course, it's easier for them than carrying a big motion picture camera around like Panasonic cameras in, you know, in the 30s. But other than that, it's kind of made our lives not so great, I think. But you're right about the five and dimes. But the lady, we had one in my hometown. And when we would go in there, because I love the wax lips and I love the little bottles that had the the liquid in them. And I love that. And, and then I get that necklace that had the candy on it and we just eat it. And it would be all disgusting and running down your right. chest. But the lady would follow us around because she didn't trust us as kids. And, and that was uh, the five and diamond Allenhurst right on main street. Oh. And, uh, and yeah. then I remember Kresge's Remember Kresge's. Yes. And, and going in and, 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 and even my hometown had a really cool pharmacy that had a soda jerk with a costume on. He had the hat. And the white shirt and the black belt and the white pants. It's really nice, you know. It was very nice. Now, I don't remember whether this happened in a five and ten or whether there was um, a fabric store right next to it. I can't remember now. But I was one of these children that was constantly making doll clothes. Even into my early teens, I I had I could have gone into seamstressing, but I I didn't. Um, anyway, I fell in love with Queen Elizabeth. I'm telling you, I have this English thing. So I decided at one point to take my last doll that I was still keeping on my bureau that, you know, was about this big with a hairdo and whatever and and make her a coronation outfit. Oh, wow. So I went down to this fabric store and I was telling the lady that you, what I was going to do. And she gave me a small piece of velvet and she gave me a small uh, like um, like a satin for the basic. Whatever I would call it, like gown underneath. And then she said and she was very sweet and she said something like, and dear, you can take this home to just finish it off, no charge. And it was a little piece of ermine fur. Oh, my goodness. You know? Yes. Yeah. So probably most people under 40 don't even know what ermine is. Um, you know, I mean, I don't know. It was just really yeah. so many things that, you know, you just don't hear or see or anything anymore. You know, it's like a crazy world. But um yeah, I remember Steinbach's was the big store in Asbury Park. And uh, in Long Branch, it was Vogel's. And the thing about it was everybody kind of got the same stuff. So when we got saddle shoes, everybody had to have saddle shoes. And there was one drug store, Rexall. And there were just the shoe store was Buster Brown's when we were little. And then when you got older, you went to Tom McCann or Kinney's. But it wasn't all this homogenized stuff. It was little individual stores and it, it was so nice. I remember um, we had two toy stores, only two toy stores. One was in Little Silver 
and that was Little Silver Mike's beautiful toys, like FAO Schwartz down here. And then we had Frank and Betty's in Neptune. And the posh kids went to Little Silver Mike's and the lesser kids and the parents that didn't have the money went to Frank and Betty's. Well, we didn't really have toy stores that I remember, but what I remember was uh, Reed's and there was another department store. His name is eluding me at at the moment in Bridgeport. And they had gorgeous toy departments. Oh, yeah. You know, and I used to walk around and look at the dolls and, and everything, the trains they had set up. And it, it was a type of place you just wished your mother would leave. And suddenly I'd be locked in for the night. Yeah. Like you little know? Audrey, the cartoon. Remember little Audrey yeah. cartoon? So that was my wish. And um, Mally's that was in New Haven, where I was born, <laughs> was a gorgeous store also. And um, I think I told everyone, but not everyone listens to every one of our shows. So I'll take the luxury of telling it again, that Mally's had old fashioned elevators attended by an attendant. These elevators had all the um, the uh, metal work, you know, with um, the wrought wrought iron and um, the little uh, seating in the back, if you were tired, there'd be like a velvet covered seat <laughs> across the back. But they were amazing. Well, anyway, when I was about four and I had yet to even go to kindergarten, I had a dream one night and the dream was about going to school. And where did the school take place for me at four, as I imagined in my dream? In the elevator at Mally's. Excuse me. I got a tingle. And the elevator had um, little desks in it. And that, wow. <laughs> but you see how important that was to me in my mind. I didn't know what a schoolroom really looked like. So I grabbed in my sleep this beautiful elevator. Right. I remember Lord and Taylor in New York had an elevator that would bounce. So when you got to the floor, it would go like, boom, boom, boom. Yeah, yeah. And the guy had the big cage that he closed and everything was brass. And another thing I remember was the Woolworth building in New York, that most beautiful lobby in the world. Just the department stores were extravagant. Yes. And gorgeous. And just like Selfridges in in England. And they they were meant to be this experience of shopping. And uh, and then, of course, we I guess a national change were Montgomery Ward and uh, two guys from Harrison. Right. They were. I don't remember that. They don't stand out. Guys, two guys in Montgomery Ward were the two big. Yeah. I think I didn't live near any of them. And, you know, yeah. only really went America to. America was very regional as far as. Yeah. The department yeah. Stores, you know? Exactly. So um, do you remember a place when you were a child? that you just couldn't wait to go and eat at a place, a restaurant that was just, you know, you just got so excited to go to it when you were little. Well, yes, of course. And I may have told bits and pieces of this. It was um, the Chinese restaurant in New Haven. That was my dream restaurant from the time I was about two. Um, The Far East. 
And I love to go there. I remember walking up the wooden staircase to get to the restaurant, which was on the second floor. And there were all these lovely waiters who I assume were first steps out of China because they barely spoke English, but they always, you know, had a hand to pat on the head of a little kid and welcome, welcome. Now, my parents didn't have a lot of money. So they weren't going to order from me because I was two, three, four, five, you know, when we would go there. But I got a glass of water. <laughs> I got the, the French bread that they always put on the table. I have no idea why this Chinese restaurant had French bread. Me too. I don't, I've never heard of that ever. They must have had a cousin that had the bakery shop or something. And then I got the vanilla ice cream from one of my parents, which, you know, they had for dessert. Uh-huh. But I love that restaurant. Oh, no. You know? I had, um, there was one that my parents would get all dressed up and we go. It was called the Marine Grill. And it was right on the ocean on Deal Lake, but out by the sand. And it was just like a vacation and so beautiful. And every kind of seafood, and I think like lobster was, you know, six fifty or something on the menu. So I remember I remember a lot of the restaurants in New York because my dad was in New York. So mm-hmm. when I was little, I'd go up with him, and we would go to, you know, Delmonico's and Twenty One, and I, I really had a privileged job. We was very lucky, and I remember mm-hmm. those restaurants and the way they treated my father. You know, sure, like sure. Well, I don't I didn't have that level, even though my father was a, a dean and then a superintendent of schools. It wasn't at that level, but people knew him. And I was privileged to go to junior high and high school with my father being the superintendent of schools. Mm-hmm. So I was known by all the kids and that kind of thing. But um, the place that my parents loved the most when I was like a, in high school was the local diner. Okay. And now my mother got pregnant when I was 16. And that's when my sister was born when I was 17. Yeah. And she didn't really want to cook much during that pregnancy, which I can't blame her. We went to that diner almost every night and everyone knew us. And it was almost like that show. What's that show? You'll always have a home. The uh, oh, yeah, like yeah, yeah, Cheers. Cheers. yeah, yeah. Well, I just I miss those places, you know. And there was um, you know, there were places that were iconic restaurants that were there for 60, 70 years and were the standard of like one of them around my where I live was the Cypress Inn. And it was well, yeah. famous for its French dip sandwiches and its roast duck. And, you know, that's another thing, too. You don't find the same uh, menus on restaurants nowadays. Most of them had, you know, French dips and they had escargot and they had roast duck. And, and now things are so different. You don't really find much French food. You don't find German food too much. Mm-hmm. The styles have changed so much. But yeah. the Cypress Inn was, and then all of a sudden it was gone. You know, it was gone. Um, I guess everything I talk about is a certain sense of melancholy at the end, it seems. 
Well, we didn't put this on the list, but it's very important in my nostalgia. And that is um, the dress shop that became famous, Lowman's. We had a Norwalk was a very ordinary town when we lived there. It's now become more like Stanford, really a notch up. But then it had no real clothing stores except the small department store. Lowman's was like a dream come true. And um, did you ever shop in Lowman's? I've heard of the name, but no. But you haven't. Okay. I don't think we have so one around us. In the front, they had all the racks like at Marshall's, except the clothes were much better. Mm-hmm. You know, they really brought in nice stuff. And then when you went in the fitting, uh, the changing room, it was a shared room. And you always look great in the mirrors. Fabulous. And it was years and years before I really reckoned with myself that those were special mirrors. Oh, skinny mirrors? Yeah, they were special. <laughs> I looked so good in them. But anyway, that's where I got my first party dress as a young teenager, not a little girl having her birthday party, but a beautiful dress that was totally overlaid with lace. It was beautiful. And that was where I got a trench coat that looked like it had come out of Paris. Oh, with all sorts of extra pockets and and but that was the styling was gorgeous. Remember, Barbara, how you could go in and put things on layaway, too. Yeah, I would get something. I remember you, you maybe remember my maxi coat. And I think I went in every week and put a dollar on it. You know, I, but they let you do layaway. Yeah. Macy's yeah. yeah. layaway. It was just like life was easy, you know, and everybody, no matter how much money you had, you could get things. You didn't feel, you know, shorted at all. Well, look at it. Half of the stuff we had was free TV. You know, everything was, you know, electric bills were five bucks. You know, it was nothing. So I don't know. So let's talk about television shows we loved as a kid. And that would be more like um, universal as far as Connecticut and the New York metro area. So Mm -hmm. um, what were your shows you loved? Well, really, my favorite show of all time till I was, you know, well into adulthood would have been I Love Lucy. Okay. Nothing compared to me, for me, to the the I Love Lucy series. Later on, when uh, she had aged, you know, I sort of fell out of watching her because they didn't have the energy and the bounce that in her first year she really had. You know, she was dynamite. And it was the kind of program where, like, um, you know, something today, like maybe I'll say Seinfeld for humor, you know, was well done. It was well thought out. Like you can watch Seinfeld series more than once because there's so much. And with the Lucy shows also, there was a very careful dynamic of of directing and so on going on in those shows. Um, Although they had a few things that would not happen today. Like um, once um, Desi pulled Lucy on his lap and spanked her. Yeah. That would not work today. Mm -hmm. But Basically, the friendship with uh, 
I forget their names downstairs. Yeah. Yeah. And um, the jokes that Lucy could pull and then the crazy things, you know, getting a job with stuffing the chocolates in her mouth. I mean, pure humor. Yeah. So that for me was number one. Well, I had my family all sat together to watch TV. And of course, I remember the world of Disney. And my sister was addicted to Bonanza because she had a crush on little Joe Cartwright because she was a lot older than I was. But my father loved the honeymooners and the honeymooners to this day. um, We watched them and laugh like crazy. When I became a teenager, I loved the monkeys. I was crazy for the monkeys. And also, um, when I was very little, well, not really, I, I, I don't know how, 10 or something, I went every weekend to my grandmother's farm and my cousin and I, well, they all played cards, watched chiller theater and creature features. So I love scary movies. I love those black and white 50s movies, you know, and I just know every one of them. And as you can see, it carried over into my life now. Yeah. But, yeah. I just remember um, it was really nice because there were only a few channels. But on those few channels, we really, really had enough to. to Oh, plenty, plenty. I uh, tell I didn't watch TV too regularly when I was in junior and senior high school. But when I did, I often watched the black and white movies and I love things like Charlie Chan, you know. It's, oh, I love Charlie Chan. I, like <laughs> I, even kept, I kept a whole list. It's probably yeah. in the attic somewhere. But um, when I, I love the Bowery Boys, too. I always loved the Bowery Boys. They were oh, there. I forgot. Um, Howdy Doody. Costello. Yeah. Uh, Howdy Doody. You're, I don't know if you. That's a little bit before me. Yeah. I remember I, it. But. I, I, uh, I got to watch some of it and, uh, you know, sort of fell in love with um, Princess Summer, Fall, Winter, Spring. How hard do you have to work to find the name of a princess that every kid in the United States will remember her name? Right. They were were clever. And I loved um, Wonderama and Sandy Becker and Claude Kirshner. I remember and clowning where he jumped through the hoop, the little hand puppet. But we we like simple things. I mean, look yeah. at um, Lamb Chop, you know, Sherry, <laughs> Sherry Lewis. I mean, you know, we watch that stuff. And let me put in a plug for Mr. Rogers. First of all, my husband, Russell, was his paper boy. Oh, no. Wow. Yeah. So my dear husband got to say hello and collect his money for a few years. Oh, wow. That's now, when my daughter was very young, she was about two when I picked her up from a babysitter and we went and I was tired and she was tired. So we went up and we both sat on my bed and we I put on Mr. Rogers. Well, I became so entranced by Mr. Rogers that by the time I went back downstairs, Someone had called the fire department. There were about six trucks and my stove was about to totally explode. And from the stake that I never returned to handle and the firemen came in and they had their giant fans and they, you know, were airing out the house. And one of them walked in and said, smells like steak. 
It was mortifying. My husband thought we had killed ourselves. <laughs> oh, my God. That's crazy. Oh, well. Um, so, yeah, TV shows, past and present. Oh, another one I like was that since rock and roll became a big thing and the British invasion, there was a show on called Where the Action Is and also Hullabaloo. I love those shows. And of course, Ed Sullivan, that was a big part of everybody's life. Oh, yes, yes. He saw all the people, the first glimpse of Elvis Presley, of the Beatles, of George Carlin. I mean, Rich Little. Remember how many people did impressions? The comedians all did impressions back then of Kirk Douglas and Jimmy Cagney. Yeah, they were good. They were great and, and funny. And just think of like Rodney Dangerfield and um, Honey Youngman. Half of the stuff they do, they did. They couldn't even say that stuff now. It's no. like kind of no. like strangled. Yeah. I'm looking to see my list, but my cat is rear end is sitting. Yeah, on. We love to have your cat. She has been she, famous. She on the you know, she was on the. Remember she when she was on the show when we were like, oh, "Here we go with the table again." I She's love circling. Um, all right, uh, let's talk about um, what's your best vacation you ever went on. Well. Um, I would say for me, it's not quite the same. You know, when I said London before, um, I'm thinking now as a person in my, you know, now within my age range and the kids have, you know, right. going on their own way and stuff. But when we were, when our daughter was four, we went to London for a few weeks and we rented a small apartment and we went also over to France to re meet Russell's relatives who had uh, become permanent citizens of France when other relatives had split off and come to the United States. Mm -hmm. And that was truly my most exciting vacation. And it's the only vacation I've ever had yet. I hope I still some have some that of what I'm now going to say, where I felt the weight of my own life and my own being lifted off of me the last week we were there. And I felt like a sublime relief and a sense of just being. But it yep. took a couple of weeks to get there. Yep. Um, the best vacation that I ever went on was to Greece with my son. And we went on an archaeological dig where we didn't dig, but we watched and all these uh, dialects from all over the world were there digging and, and brushing. And we have the best guide and we were two weeks in Greece and it was life changing because it's the one place that I felt I was with Jason and the Argonauts or the Iliad and the I, I just felt it never changed. I was back in time and I could feel the ancients with me. I just felt transformed. Yeah. yeah. And uh, when I got back, I actually had been afraid to go for a specific job because I didn't think I had the qualifications. But when I came back, I, I had the gumption to do it after that trip. I did. And, um, you know, I wasn't afraid and it was transformative to look at the 
Parthenon at night with the lights on it and think, mm-hmm. oh my God, we're walking in the, the places of people that have walked before us. It's incredible. That's why I hate to see magnificent history being eradicated. It drives me crazy. Yes. One of my big peeves, you know? So I would agree with you. And I think my one of my worst biggest peeves is not to have people answer telephones but to have these crazy, uh, you know, press one, press two, press three, because I do believe that if we had people answering the phones who were basically kind, you can't be too soft because you're doing a job, but kind people, we would be happier human beings. Oh, yeah. Because it's so frustrating dealing with, with uh, the machines. Well, the technology is making everybody frustrated, this lack lack of human interaction and a lack of nature in our lives. Um, I'm on the go all the time, but I had two or three days where I was home. And I mean, I had work I should have been doing, but I wasn't. I was watching TV or doing silliness, watching, you know, cutting out recipes. And I thought, I'm not living an authentic life. I don't have enough of nature. And when I had a farm, beautiful farm, I was in nature constantly. And even if I was stranded with COVID and I couldn't go anywhere, I had my farm with my barns and my animals and everything. And that's essentially my nature. So, you know, and another thing that drives me crazy is when people tell you, you can't do that anymore. You're too old. You shouldn't be thinking that way. That's what I mean. I don't get that. You know, I, I why can't I still ride horses and have a farm? I'm going to do it. And um, but but anyway, yeah, we have a lack of nature in our lives and running on a track or walking on a trail that's blacktop. is not real nature. You know, I mean, I, I don't know. I, I love the woods. Well, yeah, you you had a lot more opportunities than I did, but. But I grew up with normal neighborhood nature. But going back to travel, the second most significant vacation I ever had, I was in Greece for two weeks, mm-hmm. plus some other travel. This was the end of my junior year of college, and it was a trip my parents had promised me if I had um, broken up with a certain fellow that will remain nameless. So... Anyway, but I took the trip with my girlfriend and uh, because he's really a nice man. I don't want to. I mean, okay, now people are really going to wonder. Off to Europe, I went and we went country to country. But the most important part of it was uh, Greece because we got to live with a family. Nice. And that sense of slowing down and being wanted by strangers who really enjoyed our company and meeting some of their friends. And like you're saying, go to all these outstanding places. Um, It never left me. It was just something I'll never, never forget. And it also helped my sense of self because I had gone to Barnard, which is a very, very, it's one of the seven sisters that has a lot of, um, you know, Uh-oh. history. And um, it's a very hard school, or it was when I went because the Bronx High School of Science, I want to tell you, 
they're not kidding. Every kid from there was a genius. And um, I didn't do well at Barnet at all academically, although I made it, you know. And that trip, I came back like, hey, I can do this. I am not damaged. I am just going to get through this senior year. I could get through Europe even when my friend got sick and went home. I could be by myself. This is not going to, you know, I've got, I'm strong enough. And I did better my senior year than I had done before. And it, it transformed me. So I know what you're talking about. And I think it's very important if there is any money or potential for a kid to earn money and get on some sort of trip, yeah. you know, in his teenage years, his or her trip, it can be very, very important. And it also moves the kid a little bit away from the family. Yeah. Lots yeah. of times families inhibit us, you know, yeah. they love us, but they yeah. inhibit us. Totally. So well, I don't know if we should wrap. We've been on for 45 minutes. Yeah. Um, Let's just go to um, the last thing where. Uh, let's see, we were going to say what what if you could go back in time to one year and bring one thing with you? Oh, yeah, I would go back to 1894 to the Chicago Exposition. And I would bring a suitcase full of antibiotics because you would never make it ever and live past 40 or 50. It would be a miracle without antibiotics. And um, and then uh, we can also pick one day in our regular lives to go back to. And that was my father had bet me my horse was so bad, but he had so much talent. My father bet me a hundred dollars that I couldn't win a ribbon in this one horse show. And he was so sick of paying my entry fees. And he said, that damn horse, I'm not going to do it anymore. And not only did I win a ribbon, but I got reserved champion of the show. Oh my I went God. to my father and I went, pay up, dad. It was hysterical. I'll never forget that day. It was wonderful because we just kept winning. And it was like, Myself and my horse were one machine. We wow. were separate. We were like a machine. And I'll never forget that day. And I love that horse. That's the best pet I ever had in my life. I love, I love that horse, Elk. And I had him for 28 years. And um, so those are, that's my past. And that's my now life. <clears throat> How about you? Well, I would say that if I could pick, pick a year, it probably would be in the uh, 1888 uh, to 2000 um, to 1900, because I'd like to have experienced life with my grandmother and my great grandmother and really have a sense of living at that point in time. That would be that. And as far as exceptional days, um, for me, um, I'd say, and it's funny, this goes back to Queen Elizabeth the first. I played her in uh, the drama class I was taking in fourth or I think fifth grade. Mm -hmm. It was a real class downtown Bridgeport. It wasn't in school. 
you know, and I played Queen Elizabeth. And there was a part, this was the recital, there was a part where I had to go in front of the audience, kind of leave the other actors, and put my arms up and kind of give some sort of deep, deep uh, sense of my power and my love of the people and whatever. I don't even know what I said, but it was, you know, it was like a moment when the president or somebody says something no one will ever forget. If not now, when, you know? Right. And when the uh, recital was over, I went to meet my parents and they had a little corsage for me. And all these strangers came up to me and said, you were unbelievable. We felt so moved. She and that was the acting bug. That was very, very special to me. There's nothing the, like being on stage. You get yep. nothing like it. Nope. And the other thing that I'll bring up, just because I'm a psychologist, I'm always trying to help people and reassure them. I was miserable. A boyfriend had broken up with me in early high school. I was devastated and lonely. And we had just met this wonderful older family that uh, we were starting to see. And Mr. Sylvester, the husband in this family, took to me and sort of semi-adopted me for five years, you know, and sort of got my father a little jealous, but it was totally, totally a friendship of minds, you know, and he didn't have any grandchildren. So um, I was so, so low. It was a Saturday night. No, Saturday nights were critical when I grew up. No date, no one had called. And suddenly they called Mr. and Mrs. Sylvester. And my parents were going out. I was going to be alone. And they said, hey, would you like to do something with us tonight? And they took me to dinner, and then we went to a school play. They saved me. Oh, that's a nice story. Nice to be saved. It is nice to be saved. So I think that rounds us up. Yeah, I mean, we filled them up, that's for sure. Yeah. You know? And I hope that everyone listening will have felt our enthusiasm, our memories, our excitement, awesome. and also see how very much we're all alike. You know, we have our moods and disappointments and losses, but we have these wonderful little beckoning points, both to go forward in life and to go back. Mm -hmm. And so we hope you enjoyed it. Yeah, and it was uh, a long time that we weren't on. And uh, I guess so we're back. <laughs> and um, And now we have this other weird pandemic. So it's Everybody's in the house and it's also 19 degrees out, which is another reason to be in the house. Right. But, uh, you know, um, hopefully by Valentine's Day, there'll be a breakthrough. And every time I when we get past Valentine's Day, I think, OK, winter is almost over, even though it's not. But it kind of, you know. Right. So, um, yeah. So I'm going to say it's, it's good to be back. And we'll hope to be here with again within a month or so. So okay. goodbye for now. Goodbye, everybody. And thanks for listening. Bye-bye, Barb. Have a good night. Bye, Debbie.